Welcome to Fast Forward on the World Transformed. This program presents conversations with thought leaders who are shaping our future through new ideas and new technologies. In this edition of Fast Forward, we will be discussing what is required by governments around the world to successfully reopen their economies after the devastating impacts of COVID-19. As we all know, this needs to be done quickly and safely. Our future depends on it. I'm Ron Powell, and I'm pleased to introduce our very special guest for today's program, Michael Klaus. Michael is the CEO at Atacama. Atacama provides an AI-powered platform for self-driving data management and governance. He has published articles on the importance and need for accurate COVID-19 test data, which aligns very well with his expertise in data management. Michael, welcome to Fast Forward on the World Transform. Thank you, Ron, and pleasure to be here. Michael, the COVID-19 pandemic has really altered our world today. Governments are anxious to reopen their economies while avoiding a second wave of this deadly virus, which they are expecting later this year. What is your perspective on this situation? That's a great question, Ron. Even though in the light of current protests following the death of George Floyd, everything else is somehow less important, or so it seems. But let's try. Let's talk about the pandemic and how reliable and high-quality data can help fighting it. After a very scary initial period, the situation is definitely getting better now. At the same time, we still have many places and many countries where major restrictions are still in place, which is making life difficult and it is damaging the economy. We can look at the unemployment rates. Every government is really under pressure to reopen the economy as fast as possible. And at the same time, people do need to feel safe because the reopening in itself will not bring people back to shops and restaurants. People do need to feel safe when going shopping or when they want to have a dinner with friends. Not to mention, of course, factories which are actually producing physical goods where you just cannot work from home, as is the case in other industries. And with factories, not everyone is Elon Musk who opened the Tesla factory in Fremont, despite the objections from the local officials. Governments need to balance lifting the measures with not letting the virus spread again. And of course, they need to do it in a way that makes people feel safe. And this decision is extremely difficult, extremely challenging Because you're balancing, of course, on one hand, the health and in some cases, lives of people. And on the other hand, it's the economy. And even though the weather is getting better and people are tired, the virus hasn't gone anywhere. It's still around here. And there is actually, quite logically, there is more of it than we had two months ago when everyone was panicking. The situation and the reopening steps will need to be monitored very closely so that it can be quickly tightened again if necessary, because the virus can gain speed again. Yeah, we definitely have a concern about opening the economy quickly. The longer we wait, the tougher it's going to be on these countries to get back to where they need to be. Aside from a vaccine, which may take months or years to develop, What can we do now to be more proactive when it comes to the spread of this virus? So none of us is here epidemiologists or scientists in vaccines, so let's not comment about that. We are in data business, right? And it's been clear from day one that managing this pandemic is a lot about data. So what is needed is high-quality details and ideal real-time data to monitor the impact of the reopening 
but also in the longer term, we need this high quality data to model you know, the future, to feed the predictive data models. You make a very good point about having the data and being able to look at all this data in a consistent manner so that we can make the right decisions. When we look at when this pandemic first broke out, all these countries were looking at data from a different perspective and they were all making different decisions and it seems somewhat disjointed. Some countries had a very good response and good result where other countries had a very difficult time. Do you feel the governments have sufficient data to manage the reopening of the economy? And if not, what data is missing and why do you think it is missing? Well, some governments do have sufficient data, but it's really minority of governments. Most of governments, including US and other major economies, simply do not have sufficient data. And if I was to describe what's missing, we need to dive a little bit deeper into what kind of data is needed, right? So one category is clinical data, such as number of patients in hospitals and ICUs, length of hospitalizations, comparison of this to health system capacity. This is something that health systems and governments have been kind of used to. So they have all this data, they have processes how to collect this data. So we are good on that in most countries, at least in most developed countries. Then you have a second category of data, which is kind of specific, not to COVID-19, but to this type of a virus. And it's indicators which reflect how fast the virus is spreading, whether it's spreading slowly or quickly, and in effect, whether it's under control or whether it's getting out of control. It's the so-called R0 coefficient, which you want to have below value of one. Now, in order to calculate specifically this, you need data, which is on one hand, of course, very kind of critical. On the other hand, it's data which is captured, collected, and to some extent processed outside of the established processes, established health systems. And this is the data that most countries are missing, or they have this data available on kind of very aggregate level and not a sufficient quality and definitely not not in real time or not in the right time. So we hear a lot about the importance of testing and that with more testing, we can get ahead of the spread of the virus. Do you think that the current COVID-19 testing data is sufficient and is it also reliable? Well, in short, it isn't. It's not reliable. It's not sufficient. The testing was, of course, a big topic from the onset of pandemic. But it was basically the only metric that are we doing enough tests, right? Do we have enough volumes? And I think we are kind of past that state. And now we need to focus on the testing data itself. And there, I think the situation is actually pretty bad. I came across an article by two researchers from Job Hopkins School of Medicine. If you've been following them, they were one of the best institutions to get the data from day one, right, on the spread of the virus, even they when also, it was only in China. Yeah, they also have that great map that everybody looks exactly. at every day. Data. Yeah. Yep. So these two ladies, they just published an article very similar to what I wrote a couple of weeks ago about the poor quality of the testing data. Now, where is the problem, right? Why am I saying the data is not sufficient and reliable? Bear with me, we have to go a little bit into detail. Imagine what it takes to actually test a person and process the data. At the beginning, especially in the very kind of hectic, disturbing days, you had a lot of drive-through testing locations or in general temporary testing locations I think by now we have less of these, but still the actual 
first contact of a potential patient happens at a point where only the swab is collected. Typically, the testing doesn't happen there, right? There are many types of tests, but a big portion of the testing is not done at the point of contact, at the point where the swab or the sample is collected. Now, at that point, you need to actually also capture the data. and You need to capture basically two types of information. One is personal, right, PII data, and the other is the data about the sample. Now, imagine the actual situation. You're going to have the test sample taken, or you are the healthcare professional. It's not a very pleasant situation, and probably the last thing you pay attention to is how precisely you're collecting the data, right? In some cases, they have some kind of electronic way to collect it. Some cases, it's even paper. Some cases, it's entered into a computer device, be it a tablet. Still, the health professionals are wearing the full PPA, PPA protection. So it's not, not an ideal situation to capture the data. And right there, you're getting some data quality problems, obviously. Now, that's only the beginning because after this, let's say in general sense, sample is collected, the data is captured. It is sent to a lab for processing. And what happens in the lab, they, of course, do the test, but they also typically re enter, retype the data into yet another system, their in house system for the lab. And there is another opportunity for some quality problems with that particle data, both the tests, but more importantly, the PIA data. The samples typically have some kind of barcode. So it's not likely that something will get lost because it's electronic from the beginning, but the PIA data often is actually typed into some kind of system, some kind of device. So there is another potential for quality problems. And that's only the beginning because where it really gets messy is that once the person is tested, the person typically gets sent home and then you have two paths, two ways from there. One is the sample is negative and basically everything ends. I don't even know if the detailed data about the negative samples are being sent to kind of central processing. And when the person is positive, then it's very likely the person will be tested again and again and again, whether it's in hospital or elsewhere. And very likely this testing goes through a different path. Collection happens at a different point. The processing might take place in a different lab. So this way you're creating duplicities, or actually I think it's multiplicities. You can easily have up to 10 tests for the same person. And in most cases, the, let's say, the labs and hospitals don't have a means to reliably identify that these tests, these 10 tests or samples belong to the one individual. So it's clearly a so-called mastering problem and that's where it gets problematic. And we can see that when you look at what governments are reporting, they're typically reporting numbers of tests taken, out of them numbers of positives and negatives. They are not reporting numbers of individuals tested and, and positives and negatives. By the way, it gets even more problematic because some individuals, of course, typical healthcare workers and some other professions, get also tested repeatedly whether the initial test was positive or negative. So these were just few complications. There are more when capturing, processing the test data. And my estimate, because of all the typos and other problems and multiplicities, 
it can be that we get inaccuracy in general sense anywhere between 10 and 15% on testing data. But we have another perspective and the perspective will be crucially important from now on. And it is the speed, how fast you can get the reliable detailed data about every single test and person tested to the resulting statistics after the test happened, the person was tested. So in reality, ideally, you would want to get into real-time availability of this data. And we are not there. We are definitely nowhere near there. Well, when you talk about quality of the data and percentages of 10 to 15% inaccuracy or even 50% inaccuracy, that is a tremendous data quality issue. And without quality data, it's hard to make quality decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And as we mentioned previous, when we were kind of in the state of war with the virus, no one cares about details. But even now, after two months or a couple of weeks, it would have been great to have real-time detailed data, which you can slice and dice, as we all know from BI analytics. You would want to ideally be able to look at uh, the statistics per region, profession, everything. All kinds of detailed analytics would be helpful. And this is only looking back and you would ideally want to have this even looking forward using the data science or machine learning. And for all this, it's not enough to have the rough numbers, right? It's not enough to know we tested 20,000 samples, actually, not people per day. You need to know how many people you tested, how many were negatives, how many were positives, which locations, where do they live, what professions, etc. And we don't have that. And without that, the decisions that the government now need to be making about reopening and making people feel safe, it will be kind of blindfolded, right? And especially now, because as the situation is improving, the reopening is happening, there is a risk of new outbreaks and the outbreaks will start as something small, something local. And if you're watching, you know, number of tests per whatever state or something like this, uh, it won't help you. It won't help you whether if you see that number of positive cases increased by 50 50 cases a day, you don't know whether it was spread over 50 locations or whether it was one location, which is a guarantee for a new outbreak. So the detailed data is, is very crucial. So you really need this granular data because it really comes down to the number of people that are infected versus the number of tests because the same person could be tested 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, and that just will confuse the numbers. Absolutely. You know, when I first started to look at the statistics and coincidentally, I was in Sydney in February and because of the proximity, I started to watch, you know, the Wuhan numbers and everything. After a couple of weeks, it struck me it's a mass data management problem, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Exactly that. So what can be done to improve both the availability and reliability and quality of the data needed? In general, we have the tools. The tools are there. We have the concepts. We have the best practices. And it's called data quality, mass data management, data governance. And there is a new generation of technology which do all that and do it even with less effort, even faster. And we at Atacama have a platform that does it. We call it Atacama One. In fact, we actually are offering it to governments for free to fight COVID-19. We won't help with the collection of the data. 
you still need to have the health professional pipe it into a tablet, sometimes on a paper. But from then on, there are technologies and Arakama One is such a technology which lets you quickly submit this data into some central location, central processing location. Fast, easy to use, secure way of submitting this data without any need of programming or technical work. Once the data is submitted, the platform actually will profile the data and uncover any quality problems right away when the data is submitted. And moreover, it actually, whenever possible, it will fix the quality problems, which is completely new things. There's a lot of machine learning involved. The problems that cannot be fixed automatically can be sent to what is in the data space called data stewards, people who can quite easily then correct typos or help to identify the individual, things like that. So when you have this input data in reasonably good shape, good quality, there's another step and it's called the the deduplication or mastering. You have this 10, 15, 20 samples or tests taken. They have associated PII information. The PII information is not exactly precise. It's not exactly correct. Again, there is a very sophisticated technology now available that will figure out that those 10, 15, 20 tests do belong to one person. And all of this information in a high quality, easy to use form is then stored in what's called a data management hub and provided to any consumer. And that's actually one other thing which we can do when dealing with pandemics like this. You can make this data in, of course, anonymized form. You can make it available to anyone, to any researcher. And this way you can get many complementing statistics, even predictive models. So this is something that can be done actually quite easily. The technology is there, the know-how is here. And if governments do apply this, they will not be blindfolded. They will have very precise, reliable, real-time data which will help them, of course, both to monitor the reopening, actually fine-tune it on a very local basis and prevent any outbreaks and make people feel safe. Well, that is terrific. And we've talked a lot about AI on the world transformed and several fast-forwards that we've done recently and the ability to uh, use artificial intelligence and machine learning to help drive the quality of the data as well as the overall governance of the information, I think is fantastic. You know, I believe this is definitely a much more coordinated way for governments to move forward in reopening their economies and making sure that the issues surrounding COVID-19 are minimized. Michael, I want to thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Ron. If I may add one last thing. Go right ahead. Use the word coordinated. Actually, it would be ideal if this was coordinated, of course, globally. And it's not only about the COVID-19. Many scientists are saying sooner or later, there will come a virus like this, but even more deadly. So in a way, we were given chance and opportunity to use this as an exercise, as a preparation. And if we do have this kind of technology, this kind of approach available, we can actually stop the next virus from becoming a pandemic. So thank you, Ron. Great questions. And let's hope the world will transform for the better. Well, and you mentioned globally, and I thank you for your offer. I hope any government out there that 
is looking for a way to handle the information and perform this effort that they take you up on your offer of being able to use the software at no charge to move them forward. So, all right, uh, that is going to do it for this edition of Fast Forward on the World Transformed. We hope you will join us again as we continue to explore a future that is unfolding before us in unexpected ways and at a breathtaking pace. To learn more about Atacama, go to atacama.com. To learn more about this program, visit worldtransform.com. Thanks for listening.